All right, who, who watches The Walking Dead in here? Who watches it? Oh my gosh. I started watching it my freshman year of college, and then I kind of just jumped off the train, and then um, a couple weeks ago, I went home to Florida, and I was watching it on the way home driving. Yes, you heard that correctly. Um, and, and I got hooked again, and me and my fiance, Rachel, we're just hooked on it now, and so it's a great show. Hey, uh, y'all excited to be here tonight? <laughs> Woo! Sweet. Hey, um, if you are, uh, is this your first time, um, welcome. My name is Chris Dotson. Um, I work here in the uh, student ministry, and um, currently right now, if you haven't been here, we are in the middle of a series called The Walking Dead. And basically the premise is this, uh, um, the Bible, uh, the Word of God, it, it promises for believers, for, for those who are in Christ, this life of joy and, and abundance and, 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 and just a life that is set apart from this world. But so often, that's totally different than the lives that we exhibit, right? It's totally different than the lives that we exhibit. And so the point of this series is it's called The Walking Dead because we're trying to pinpoint and find things in our life that suck the spiritual life out of us so that literally we are like walking zombies, that, that we're walking around and we're going through the motions and going through the everyday grind, but we're still kind of just dead. We're not really alive. Uh, and so the first week, Brian was up here, and Brian talked about sin and how this, this overarching theme of sin, it's like a disease in our lives, and that this disease called sin, it, it penetrates to our core, and really, we are dead in our sin, but, but, but by the grace of God, we're made alive in Christ. And then last week, um, David Hicks was up here, and, and he talked about how all of us have this back sin in our life, that this Winnie the Pooh evil character known as pride. Like, we, all of us have pride in our lives, and pride holds us back to living a life of joy because we find our happiness in pride and not the joy in Christ and what we've been given in him. And, and David did a great job and, and showed us that, that, you know, the only real solution for pride is the gospel. So we talk about sin, we talk about pride. And tonight, um, before I tell you what we want to talk about tonight, I want to read you a story um, in the book of Matthew. This is in Matthew chapter 18. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. Um, and, and, and so I want to read this story to you, and it's a little long. It, it's quite a few verses, so I'm going to need you all to, to stick with me um, because I know that some of you sixth grade boys can check out real easily. Um, and so, so I'm going to read this story um, all the way through, and I want you to stick with me, and then uh, we'll pray and we'll get into it tonight. It's in Matthew chapter 18. Y'all there? Are we good? Yep. All right, Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 21. It says, Then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Say seven times. Seven times. You guys are going to get in on this at some point. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle one, uh, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And, and he said that he could not pay, and his master ordered him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. So we tell him, hey, sell your stuff, and then you can pay me. So the servant fell on his knees and imploring him, he said, have patience with me. Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master and the servant of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you ever got. He doesn't go, Pay what you owe. Pay what you owe. He says, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. 
Have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not have you had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Let's pray. God, Lord, I thank you so much for tonight. God, I pray that tonight, Lord, I wouldn't say a word up here that God, everything that I say, God, is a message on my heart from you. And God, I pray that you would just point out these areas in our life, God, that, that hold us back from you, Lord. I can't do it. I, I literally can't, God. I can only do it with your help. And God, I pray the Holy Spirit would just convict God. They would reprove God and that we would all leave this room changed and edified, God. And I pray this all in your name. Amen. Anybody like animals? Are there animal, any animal people in here? Animal, any animal people? Anybody like animals in here? All right. Well, okay, so everybody likes, like, okay, so animal people, like dogs, cats, those kind of things. Anybody like wild animals? Like wild animals, like coyotes and all those things? And I'm not talking about to kill them, Caleb. I'm talking about to, to have as your pet. You all like, you like animals? Feel like animals? Okay, so I, I love animals. I, I really, really, really love animals. I love animals. It's kind of, it's, I'm, to be quite honest, I'm ashamed of how much I love animals. Um, uh, about a year ago, you guys have probably heard this because everyone likes to make fun of Chris, but I thought it'd be a great idea. I was dating this girl. And I was like, oh, I really want to impress her. And she made a comment to me like, oh my gosh, if you would just buy me a puppy, I would love you forever. And I'm like, oh, you would? Okay, let me buy you a puppy. So I went to the pound and I bought her a puppy. Well, that girl didn't want that puppy because it was too much work. So Chris, because he couldn't afford it and she no one to take care of it, I got to give that puppy away. Anyways, I love, I love animals. I love them. I love them to death. But it's kind of like, it's kind of bad how much I love animals. It's kind of, honestly, I'm kind of ashamed of it. Um, th th this past weekend, I moved into a new house that I'm renting. And you know, when you're moving, you leave the doors open and you know, you're going in and out and carrying heavy stuff. So your doors are propped or they're open and all this stuff. So, so, so my door was open and I'm going in and out. So, so, so I, I, you know, move in, get all my stuff. I'm still trying to get that together. And I've realized that I've got a couple of critters, a couple of friends that live in there with me. All right. And they're ladybugs. By the way, what's up with this ladybug apocalypse? Like, are you kidding me? Like, ladybugs are everywhere. Like, I walk outside, I'm like, ah! they're all over the place, right? So, 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 so there's ladybugs in my house. I'm like, I don't mind ladybugs. I don't mind them. They're, they're, not, they're, they're not gonna hurt me. Ladybugs don't, don't bite you. Ladybugs, but you know what ladybugs do? They're stupid. This is what they do, right? So I have a light in my, in my living room, right? And this is what a ladybug does. It flies around and it goes, bing, 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 bing. I'm sitting there trying to play NCAA 14, trying to win my dynasty, and it's just bing. I'm the whole time like, oh my gosh, this is getting annoying. But here's the weird thing about me. It's like, I literally feel bad if I kill a bug. I know it's weird, guys. I know you can laugh at me, but it's weird. So I'm not even joking with you. Multiple times this week, I, I have taken a piece of paper and put it up to the light so the ladybug would crawl on my piece of paper. And I walk my hey, ladybug guy. And I just let him outside and let him free. And there's more ladybugs in the world thanks to me. Just give me a round of applause. Amen. Yeah. I tell you all that to tell you, I, I have to tell you that background story to me before I can tell you this story. When I was in 11th grade, um, when I was in 11th grade, I, you know, everyone has chores. Y'all have chores in here? Everybody have chores and stuff that you have to do? Anybody have like a routine when they wake up in the morning, like you do the same thing every morning when you wake up? I do that all the time, unless I slept in late. This was my routine in the morning, ready? I wake up, I go downstairs, half asleep, get my dog some breakfast, 
let him out, let him do his breakfast thing, go upstairs, take a shower, get ready, look all beautiful, come down, get, grab, let my dog out, let him go do his poo-poo and pee-pee, and then bring him back inside, go eat, go to school. Every single morning in high school, that's the way it was when I had a dog. So, so this one morning, right, this one morning, I, I, I go outside, it's a normal day, I think it's a Thursday maybe, I go outside, and, and I notice as I'm going to get my dog food, there's, 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 there's animal excrement on the ground. And I'm like, Max, my dog's name, how did you get out here and do that? And then I remember, oh, my little brother was out here last night. He had the dog out here in the garage then, probably pooped, didn't want to clean it up. So then I said, I didn't see that, walk back inside. Go inside, feed the dog, go upstairs, get ready. Then I go to let my dog out and I walk through the garage to let him out. So, so I, I open the door and walk to let him out and my dog starts going crazy. Like my dog is just like, like he's going insane. And my dog is like this big, he's a puggle, so he's not scary at all. He's going insane, right? And this dog is like, like just going insane, like and like barking up at the like in the in the ceiling. I'm like, what on earth are you doing, Max? And then I saw it. Actually, it saw me and made a noise at me. I'm standing there, I have my dog on its leash, and all of a sudden I hear it. I'm like, And I look up, and you know like the little little rafters that your garage door goes up on? On that, hanging there, is a wild, full-grown, probably 500-pound possum. <laughs> and this thing isn't, this thing isn't cute. This thing isn't cute. It's, it's not only, I don't know what possums do. Like, that needs to be a new video. What does the possum say? Because I don't know what it says, but it just goes, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> so me, being the kind-hearted man that I am, I'm like, all right, we got to go and we've got to call animal control and get them out here because we need to go and release this thing back into the wild. So I go inside, because my mom is literally going to pee her pants as she comes out and a possum's hissing at her. So I go inside and tell my parents. My parents are in there. I was like, hey, dad, uh, don't freak out. There's a possum in the garage. Uh, I'm going to call animal control. And I didn't know animal control's number. I don't know why I told him that. But I was like, I'm going to call animal control. And he goes, he goes oh, I'm going to go, let me go look, look, take a look at it. My dad goes out there, right? So my dad goes out there. He walks out, takes one look at it, and goes, yep. Walks over to his gardening supply section, gets a broom, and starts beating the living daylights out of this possum. Like, I'm talking, it's just boom, boom, boom. And the whole time I'm like, no, 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 no. And this possum, right, like, it, it, gets, it, it, take, like, it, it takes a hit. Like, it's there, and then all of a sudden, it goes from, it's like, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's breaking my heart. And so then it falls, just boom, falls on the ground, right? Pretty sure it broke its jaw because there's still blood on my garage floor from it, right? Goes and it scurries on out, scurries on out, and it runs away. My immediate thought is this. That possum's going to go get some possum posse of gangsters and come back, and he is going to kill us. I am convinced of that. After that, that, that thought left my mind, I then was like this. My dad just almost killed a possum on purpose. I believe that's called murder. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. I was mad at my dad for a week. I was mad at him for a whole week. I, I didn't talk. Like, I would not talk to my dad. I, I, I just like wouldn't, like, I wouldn't acknowledge him. He said something. Like, eh, eh. Like, I wouldn't acknowledge him. Wouldn't talk to him. I, I, I legitimately was angry. It's just because I like animals and it's dumb, but, but I legitimately was angry and I harbored that anger and I kept what he did wrong and what he did wrong to me and I kept it up and I kept it up and I kept it up inside. Tonight I want to talk to you about this thing called unforgiveness. 
It's the same thing that I showed my dad in this situation. Um, um, and, and unforgiveness, I think before we can, can go into it, before we can really uh, dig deep into it, we need to have like a definition of unforgiveness to work with tonight. You have a pen. This is, this is the definition that I want to work with tonight. It's really simple. Unforgiveness is this. It's withholding grace from someone even when they don't deserve it. Unforgiveness is withholding grace from someone even when they don't deserve it. We all do this. Like, like there's not one person here that does not struggle with unforgiveness. Maybe some of you guys have dads that beat the snot out of animals and you love animals, like my situation. But let's be real. Maybe some of y'all have friends that, you know, did something to you that rubbed you the wrong way and you're not really over it yet. <clears throat> Maybe you have a friend who, who, who got into a lifestyle and fell into a certain way of life and, and you're like, wow, I never thought they would do that. And you're holding it against them. Maybe even you have parents who, who have fought in front of you and said things to you, or, or maybe they, they've split up, and, or maybe parents have left, and you're just not over that yet. The, the reality of the situation is that we all struggle with unforgiveness. We all fail to forgive in two areas of our life, all right? We all fail to forgive in two areas, and, and the first area is this. It's pretty obvious. We fail to forgive others. Like, like we fail to forgive other people. I don't think there's anyone in here that would say that unforgiveness is like a bad idea. It's not one of those gray areas, like maybe like a rated R movie where the Bible isn't explicit about it because there weren't movies 2,000 years ago. So God leaves it up to your discernment and the Holy Spirit to, you know, to, to decide what you do. It's pretty explicit. The Bible says forgive. It says to forgive others. So no one is going to disagree that forgiveness is a bad idea. Am I right? It's not like you lose anything when you forgive somebody. It's not like you, you're, you, it's bad for you when you forgive somebody. And no one is going to straight up tell you like, hey, I don't dis I disagree with that whole forgiveness thing. No one disagrees with it until they themselves are faced with a situation where they need to forgive someone. It's just the reality of it. It's just life. And so like, as I'm looking through this and I'm wondering like, why, why do we not forgive? Why is it that sometimes we harbor unforgiveness and, and withhold grace from someone? Why, why do we do that? Why do we do that? And I think that the answer, it really can be found in this story, in this story in Matthew 18. See, basically this is what's going on. See, Peter comes up to Jesus, right? And, and he go, says, hey, Jesus, look, so, so this guy has been sinning against me. We don't know who the guy was. Maybe it was a rhetorical question. I like to think that maybe um, Peter lives with like 11 other guys all the time, so he probably got annoyed with them quite a bit, if I'm right. And, and, and so, so, so he's probably annoyed. There's something, something that probably somebody's doing that is, that is just against him, and he's just getting aggravated and aggravated and aggravated. And so he says, hey, Jesus, look, how many times should I forgive someone before it's enough? Like, I know that, like, you know, these people who wrote about, like, they wrote, like, a commentary on the Torah a long time ago. They said, like, three is a good time. What if I go seven times? Seven times, that's the perfect number, right? Seven times, the whole number. What if I, what if I forgive someone seven times after they wrong me? What, what if I do that? Is, that? is that good? Is that, is that enough? And just like Jesus is just like, Peter, dude, you're not really getting it, man. You're not really getting it. I, I don't want you to forgive someone seven times. I would say, hey, 77 times, if you're going to throw a number out there. Don't do it seven times, do it 77 times. It's as if Jesus is saying, hey man, it doesn't matter how many times you forgive someone. The point is that you need to forgive them. And then he goes into this awesome story. He says, okay, let, let's do this, guys. Let, let's, let's, compare, 
Let's compare the kingdom of heaven, this kingdom that I'm establishing on earth, this rule that I'm establishing, this world that we are now going to live in. Let's compare it to um, a king who was trying to settle debts. So there's this king, and he has these people who he's given money to, and then he wants it back. By the way, biggest lie you'll ever hear in your life, I'll pay you back. They're not going to pay you back. Let's just be real, right? I try to pull that when I go to McDonald's with my roommate. I don't pay him back. Anyways, and so, so he's like, hey, these guys, have been, they've been taking money. They, they, I gave them money to spend it, maybe McDonald's or whatever the equivalent was back in 2,000 years ago, and I want my money back. I want my money. It's my money, and I need it now. So, so he goes and he brings one guy in and says, all right, hey man, you owe me 10,000 talents. That means literally nothing to us, but, but if you look at the culture and what it meant back then, it's literally millions and millions of dollars. It would be like if I came up to you and said, hey, um, Hunter Carroll, you owe me uh, a couple zillion dollars. Like, not million, zillion. Like, it's like an outrageous amount of money. So this guy owes him an outrageous amount of money. He comes in, the guy obviously is like, I can't pay this bill. I don't really have that kind of cheddar on me. And the king goes, okay, well, then uh, let's throw you in jail. Let's, let's put your wife and your, and your kid in slavery. Let's sell all your possessions, and then maybe we'll make enough money on that, and then you can spend the rest of your life in jail. Let, let's do that. And this guy, I love the, the, the verbiage, the words he used here. It says that he implores Jesus. He says, this guy says, he implores him and says, hey, please, look, I'll pay you back. Like, just give me more time. I just need more time. Please, please, please don't make me pay this right now. Don't do this to my family. Don't throw them in jail. Please, please, please don't do this. And this king, he says, you know what, ma'am? Go ahead. You can go. And you know what? Don't worry about paying me that debt. Don't, don't worry about it. You know, man, I'm just going to forgive the debt. I'm going to forgive it, and you don't have to pay it. Like, if I'm walking out of there, and I just got forgiven a bazillion whatever dollars, you know I'm dancing. You know I get in that car. How many of y'all get in that car for a good day, and you just, you just turn on a great song, and you're just jamming the whole time? You know what I'm saying? I'm doing that. This guy leaves, right? He's going, he's walking down the street, and, and then he confronts this servant of his. So, so, this, so this man was a servant of a king, and then you know, this man also had servants, and he confronts one of his servants. And he goes, hey, man, whoa, whoa, you owe me 100 denarii, which obviously means nothing to any of us because we didn't live 2,000 years ago. So let me explain. 100 denarii is the equivalent of one day's wages. I used to be a pizza delivery boy back in the day. Um, I was great at it, by the way. And I made probably about $50, $60 a shift. Let's say 50, 60 bucks is what this guy owes him. He says, hey man, you owe me like 50, 60 dollars. Uh, I need that now. And the guy goes, well, I can't pay that. So, so what does this guy do? He starts choking him. Like he literally starts choking this guy. He's like, give me my money, man. Just, it's like, he's, this guy's got anger issues. Starts choking this guy. I can't give you the money, man. I don't have it. Okay. Why don't we throw you in jail? Go. Boop. Let's go to jail. Goes to jail. Why is this guy, why, why does he not forgive this servant? Why, why act this way? I mean, dude, you've just been forgiven. Like you, you just like had a million, million dollars taken off your name and you're going to get mad at this guy for 50 bucks? What, what's your deal? Why are you not going to forgive him? Why, why do we not forgive people sometimes? Why do we hold on to grudges? Why do we hold on to the things people do and hold it above their head and don't extend to them the grace that we should give them. And, and as I prepared for this, and as I really examined my own life, I found that we actually, in the short term, we, we benefit from not forgiving people. We benefit, our, our, ourselves, the person that withholds forgiveness, they actually benefit. And this is how you benefit. When you withhold forgiveness from someone, 
it gives you an identity. Withholding forgiveness from somebody, it gives you identity. I mean, think about it. Like when you hold on to, to someone else's sin and like their weaknesses and their failures, it, it makes you feel superior to them, does it not? I mean, I mean, you, you, you place, like you look at this person's life and you're like, man, they do this and they do that and they do that. Oh, those are bad things. And like, I only do these things. So man, like I'm, a, I'm so much better of a person than they are. Like they're doing this and I'm only doing this. They're, I'm, I'm above them. It, it leads us to think that we're, we're more righteous than we actually are. It gives us an identity. And the, the, the trouble in that, the, the, the issue in that, is that when we fall into a pattern of finding our sense of self and the shortcomings of others, we no longer find it in the comfort and call of the gospel, but we find it in other people. When we find our sense of self um, and not in the gospel, not in what Jesus says we are, not who he tells us that we are and what, we, what, we've, what has been done for us, when we find it in the shortcomings of other people, it becomes toxic because we're always comparing ourselves to someone else. And the thing is, when you compare yourself to someone else, you're never enough. When you, when you put this, like, this, these scales and these comparisons, you're never, ever, ever enough. So like, it's like, why do we not forgive? Why do we kind of withhold grace sometimes towards people? And honestly, I think it's because we, we kind of benefit from it. We, we get this sense of identity and this sense of self-righteousness. Because we're all really looking for an identity in something. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what grade you're in, what your background is, if this is your first time here, if this is your 500th time here, you're looking for identity in something. You're looking for worth in something. And it's real easy to find worth in the failures of someone else. And this, was what, this, what, this leads me into the second area where we fail to forgive. We, we, we obviously, we fail to forgive others all the time, but a big place that we fail to forgive is we really, we fail to forgive ourselves a lot. In um, Ephesians 1, you don't have to turn there. Uh, that'll be on the screen. But, um, but Paul, this guy Paul, he, he's writing um, to this church in Ephesus, and, and he's pretty much, he's starting this letter um, addressing them and confirming to them maybe something they're struggling with, maybe something they're not struggling with, but he, but he confirms this glorious truth that I want to declare to you that I want to tell you about tonight. It's in Ephesians 1, starting in verse 3. He, this is like how he starts his letter. He says, Blessed be the God and the Father, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. See, in love, Paul says, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. This is the, this is the kicker. This is the best verse there is, right? In him, we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in wisdom and insight. Here's the reality of life. I'm just gonna be real straight with you guys. Our default position as people who are sinners and people who struggle in life is to think that like God is upset with us and God is, God is disappointed in us. I don't think anybody in there can ever tell me that they've never felt like God was disappointed in them. Like we feel like God is just tolerating us. 
I mean, admit it or not, I, I felt that way a lot. I felt that way so many times that like, man, God must be so disappointed in what I've done. Man, I keep on messing up and I keep on messing up and I keep on messing up and I can't tell anybody because then they're going to like think that I'm a hypocrite and then that I'm not going to be living out what I preach and I just keep messing up. It's like, oh my gosh, God is probably just tired of me screwing up all the time. And like the Apostle Paul tells them, he says, hey, uh, people, look, you know, that's not true because, you know, before um, the foundation of the world, he chose you. Before, before the foundation of the world, before the world was even created, um, he chose you. And he chose you and decided that he was going to make you holy and blameless in his sight. Like, you know what that verse means? That verse means that, hey, no matter uh, the good days or bad days, no matter if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're really uh, being a good Christian this day and a bad Christian this day, it doesn't matter what day, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter when, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter where you are, that God is never disappointed in you. Like, God is never, ever, ever going to be disappointed in you. Think about that. How great does that make God? How great does that make our God? That in our hypocrisy, he is still with us and he still continues to love us. That like in our failures and in our inability to live the life that he's called of us, he continues to lavish upon us grace and grace and grace. And like that word lavish, who's ever even heard that word before? Let's be honest. It's a, it's a very, it's an awesome word because it's, it's, this, it's such a deep, deep word. It's as if he's saying, it's not that he, 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 he gave us grace or he put grace on us. He lavished it. It's as if he, it's just too much. Who decorates for Christmas? Anybody decorate for Christmas in here? Anybody just love decorating for Christmas? Now there's decorating for Christmas and then there's lavishing for Christmas. All right. Decorating for Christmas. Hey, you're going to put a couple lights up, maybe put a tree up, you know, get a little Santa Claus ornament doll there. We'll put that there. We'll be good. Lavish is where you go crazy, right? I mean, your every single portion of the outside of your house is covered in lights and it's like synchronized with those lights. I was like, dun, 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 like, you know, hardcore. Like, it's like too much. It's so great. It's out of control. And that's the word that Paul uses here. Like, like, that's the word he uses. It's as if this grace that God has given us is just too much that we, for us to handle. It's just so much. It's over the top. It's way above what we even deserve. Like, think about this. If you're in Christ, if you are a believer in Jesus, you put your faith and trust in him. Like, you've given him your life but you're currently struggling with sin, you've got to realize that God does not regret saving you. He, he doesn't regret saving you. He doesn't regret living the perfect life that you couldn't live and going and dying the death that you deserve. He, he doesn't regret doing that. He's not disappointed in you. When you realize how much grace he's lavished on us, that means that, hey, if you're in here and you've never given your life to Jesus, you're like, I don't even know what this Jesus stuff is. I don't know what church is. I'm just here because, you know, my friends invited me. They're like, whatever. If that's you, you know what this means? This means that it doesn't matter how you walked in here. It doesn't matter what you did 20 minutes ago. It doesn't matter who you were outside of this place. It means that God can rescue you right where you are and that he has lavished and given you grace and he loves you right where you are.
well, man, you don't know what I do. Like, you don't know the person I am outside of here. Um, God does, and he died for you. So I guess he thought you were worth it. We've got to realize, guys, that Jesus did not only save us from our past sins, not only did he forgive us from our past sins and all the things we did before, we found, before he found us and before we gave our life to him, but he's continuing to save us every day. Your past, present, and future sin literally have no power in comparison with Jesus Christ and what he did for you. Because on the cross, Jesus said, hey, I'm defeating sin forever. I'm taking on the punishment that you deserve and I'm defeating sin forever. Outside of Christ, we're disgusting. Outside of Jesus, we, we really can't be in God's sight because we're sinners. Look, it doesn't matter who you are. You're a sinner. Your first inclination is to sin. And, and that is to say that your first inclination, your first desire is to rebel against God. And God knows that. Like he knew that, hey, uh, these people, they're just gonna run away from me. They're gonna do all these things that, that I'm trying to tell them not to do, not because I don't want them to have fun. It's just because I know that they're not gonna fulfill them. These people, they're gonna run away. They're gonna turn their back on me. They're gonna go this way. They're gonna go that way. They're gonna go every direction away from me that they can. But you know what they can't do is they can't live a perfect life. And that's kind of what I desire. That's what I demand because I'm God and I'm perfect. So what could I do? What could I do? Well, the only one who can live a perfect life is me. So, hey, I'm gonna come to this earth. I'm gonna come to this earth in the form of a man. I'm gonna live the perfect life that they could not live. And then I'm going to go and I'm going to suffer the punishment that they deserve because I'm going to be honest with you, you deserve to be punished for your sin. I deserve to be punished for my sin. See, God came in the form of Jesus. He lived the perfect life we couldn't live and went to the cross and he died for us. And on that cross, he said, hey, they're not good enough. They're not going to be able to do it on their own, but guess what? I am good enough. And I'm going to defeat sin with my death, death on the cross. And I'm going to forgive them of all their sin, all their past sin, all their present sin, all their future sin, so that they're not going to surprise me about the things that they do. And then he didn't stay dead. He rose again three days later and defeated the grave too, so that if we are in him and if we are in Christ, hey, uh, we're not going to die. We're going to live forever with him. When we get that, we don't hold on to shame and guilt. Because hey, if we put our faith in Christ, which is to say that we've, we've, we've put our faith and, we, and we've trusted in the perfect, perfect life that he lived that we couldn't and the death that he paid that, that we don't have to pay. When we put our faith in that, we've got to realize that, that like, like he said, that we've been chosen before the foundation of the earth. And that God is going to make us holy and blameless, which is to say that, hey, you don't just have to, you know, you know, give your life to me and then try to do it all on your own and fix your life up. Like, hey, go become a Christian and then fix your life up, man. You better get everything right. That's not what God says. God to say, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Come to me. And he's going to give you life. He's going to give you the life that you couldn't earn on your own, the life that you couldn't find on your own. 
When we realize that, we don't hold on to shame and guilt and all these things that hold us back from God. And really, honestly, when we find our identity in Jesus and that he saved us and from all this sin, from all the things that we do and all of our shortcomings, then hey, it makes it a whole lot easier to look at someone else's shortcomings and say, hey, they're a sinner just like me. They screw up just like me. They're not good enough just like me. They're going to fail just like me. They're going to fall short just like me. But Jesus saved both of us. Jesus saved both of us. 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to a cross to die for you, to forgive you. And the reality of the situation is just based on life. I mean, we all struggle with not forgiving other people. And we all struggle with not forgiving ourselves. We all struggle with holding on to shame and guilt and thinking that, man, we're just not, it's not good enough. We're just too dirty. We're just too messed up. There's no way God could love us the way we are. Look, he does. He loves you just as you are. So um, Bobby and them are going to come up for one more song. Um, and, and here's what I would just ask that you do tonight. Like I said, the reality of the situation is that since we are sinners and since we do fall short of the glory of God, uh, we're going we're gonna to fail to forgive. We're going to fail to forgive, and we're going to fail to forgive often. And there's two areas where we're going to fail to forgive. We're going to fail to forgive others and extend the grace of them that God has already given to us. And honestly, more often than not, we're going to really fail to forgive ourselves and let go of the shame and guilt that we hold. So this is what I, I would like, I would just ask that you guys would do tonight. Bobby, they're going to sing a song, and I'm not going to ask that you sing. I'm not going to ask that you stand and raise your hands. I just want you to seriously examine your life. Just, just stop putting on the front. Stop, stop trying to be a better person than, than you really are. Just, just look at your life and say, hey, am I withholding forgiveness from somebody? Like, have I not given them grace even though they don't deserve it? If that's true, if it's maybe a parent or a loved one or a friend, look, deal with that right now. Hey, go call them on the phone. Go find them. Just go talk to them and let them know that you extend grace to them. You give them grace. Even though they don't deserve it. Even though they don't deserve to have that grace, you're going to give it to them. Hey, also, the reality of the situation is a lot of us in here, a lot of us have yet to forgive ourselves. Some of us may be in Christ. We've given our life to Christ, but we're still holding on to shame and to guilt. Get rid of that shame. Get rid of that guilt and know that Christ died for you. And he's gonna continue to save you and that your sin isn't too much for him. Or hey, maybe, just maybe, in Cleveland, Tennessee, in the Bible Belt, we're here in a room with someone or some people who have never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who, who maybe heard this stuff and, and, and maybe you're just kind of gauging what it is, if it's real or not. But look, you just need to know, and I want to tell you tonight, that God loves you so much that there's nothing, there's nothing that you can do that is too much for Him, that He went and that He died for you because you deserve that death. And he said, no, I don't want them to have to do that. I don't want them to have to suffer. I'll suffer for them. I'll love them even though they're not lovable. 
I'll love them even though they're going to reject me and walk away from me. It's the greatest thing you can ever do just to stop trying on your own. Stop trying to find identity and worth and things in this world and find it just in Jesus and what he did for you. That's it. They're going to sing, and I want you guys just to deal with that. Forgive someone else, forgive yourself, whatever it is God's telling you to do right now, but do not leave here the same way you walked in here.